Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. The world is watching on with escalating anxiety with the explosion of tensions between Israel and Palestinians in Gaza. And this is only some 300 kilometres away from the Syrian border, a nation torn apart over these past 20 months by civil war. 38,000 people, it's estimated, have died during that time. Up to 300,000 Syrians have fled their homeland. That's just short of the population of Canberra. A man with a deep and intimate first-hand knowledge of the entire region is Dr Mike Bassous, adjunct professor in international studies at Taylor University, USA, and general secretary of the Bible Society in Lebanon. He's in Australia at the moment, and I'm so glad he's able to join us now for a very timely conversation on this troubled region, but also the way in which he's seen both help and hope offered to many, many people amidst all the turmoil. Mike, welcome to Open House. Thank you, Lee. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks very much for joining us. You've been based in Lebanon for now 13 years. How have you seen your work change over this pretty tumultuous time? We've seen a lot of changes. And despite what may look as a very gloomy atmosphere in the Middle East, I have to admit that at this time in this region, we are witnessing opening towards the Word of God. And uh, I can confess and testify about Lebanon, at least this year, was declared as year of the Bible by the church. And we were able to distribute 60,000 full Bibles to several dioceses. And as you probably also know that Pope Benedict XVI paid a visit to Lebanon despite all the turmoil in the Middle East. And we were asked to provide 200,000 New Testaments for the two events that the Pope held. And so despite everything that is going on around, you can see the positiveness of what's happening. It's an interesting and helpful perspective because if you just watch the news, you'd be so despairing of what's going on in that broader region. That's exactly uh, how I think about it. You look at the news and the news only presents the negative about the region. While in reality, we are witnessing today an openness, we are witnessing a change process taking place in the Middle East. During this change process, there is a window of opportunity to be able to declare or proclaim the Word of God. Are we going to look at the negativity of what's happening, or are we going to seek to take advantage of this opportunity? Why do you think that change is taking place at this time? The change is taking place because of the so-called Arab Spring, because people got tired of long-standing regimes, of decreased income, of uh, uh, changes in classes while the richer became richer and the poorer are becoming poorer. Several reasons is leading to that change. What is obvious is that the change agents are not sure where the destination is. So if we look at our brothers and sisters in Syria, the Christians there, they are fearing that this change process may make them end up as their brothers and sisters in Iraq. And that is a disintegrated Christian minority there now seeking asylum all around the world. The problem is that the change process has not identified its purpose and its destination. And that's where the worldwide global Christian community has a responsibility. And that is to start dialoguing with the change agents in the Middle East to say, hey, we need to start working on some parameters to safeguard the minority groups that are still there, that have been part of the Middle East since Christ was there, 
And so we're not, we do not consider Christianity in the Middle East as a minority. We are an integral part of the Middle East. We are not imported from the West. We came from the East, and Christianity started in the East. So we have to always remind ourselves of this important identity and how to get the whole Christian worldview to recognize that Christianity is an integral part of the Middle East. And of all the things you could do in and for that region, it is a highly significant thing that the Bible is spearheading this work. And we are very fortunate with that because the Bible unites the church. So we have several churches in the Middle East, but they come around when it's the Bible. We have been able to produce a Good News Arabic interconfessional translation of the Bible where the entire church in the Middle East is now coming around it. So we have been able, maybe because of persecution, maybe because we are a minority, at least we have been able to show a unity face of Christianity in the region. You have an intimate knowledge of Syria across the border and the devastation of the civil war there over these past 20 months. Can you give us a snapshot picture of what that's been like and what work you've been undertaking there? Having lived myself in the civil war in Lebanon from 1975 to almost 1990, we are really feeling sorry for what's happening in Syria because we can see symptoms that are very similar to what happened in Lebanon divisions, small pockets of resistance, uh, uncertainty. Uh, I have to share with you the latest news. I mean, we've had the first-hand experience with the situation in Syria where two of our staff members were kidnapped on the 1st of November while they were en route from Damascus going back to Aleppo. Now, again, I'm saying this not in a negative way, but simply to highlight the symptoms that are taking place. A week later, one of the staff members was released and another week later the second one was released we praise the lord for this news however what scares us is that they were approached inside the bus mainly because they were christians Mm -hmm. now again this is a warning a warning sign we thank god for the safe release and they have returned to their families safely and they were treated very well But what was the purpose the purpose that they were targeted because they are christians and so we have to start being aware that the situation in Syria is taking a form of sectarianism, which, unfortunately, based on experience in the Middle East, Christians have always paid the highest price. Do you expect that to get worse? I hope not. Uh, And there has to be steps from those who are supporting what is going on in Syria to make sure that they balance their support with preserving the Christians who have lived there for the last 2,000 years. On the other hand, we are getting an influx of refugees to the surrounding countries, to Lebanon, to Jordan, and uh, to Turkey. In Lebanon, we have around eighty to 90,000 refugee Syrian families. As a Bible society, we are not directly engaged in humanitarian work, but we have been engaged. We have at least approached 2,000 families with relief boxes that include scriptures. And always these families are interested in what is motivating us to give the food supplies, and it's the Bible. And we don't hide behind it. We are a Bible society, and if we're going to get engaged in helping refugees, the Bible has to be an integral part of that help. So so it's a two-pronged form of assistance, this help and hope. Practical help, relief, but also the Word of God. Exactly. 
if you just give a Bible and there are physical needs, the Bible will not mean anything. And if you only provide for physical needs and disassociate yourself from what we are actually doing, and that is being Bible advocates, then it doesn't make any sense. Putting the two together, that makes sense to us and to the recipients. Is there a story of someone in these refugee camps that you can perhaps relate to us about why this work is happening and why it should continue? I've seen an elderly man pick up the New Testament inside the box and walk down the stairs where they are usually kept in schools, these refugees in public schools. And uh, when I asked him, why are you picking up the, the Injil, which means the New Testament? He responded, all my life I have wanted to read the Injil and now I get the opportunity. So suddenly this person forgets where they are, the, the problems that they're facing and is taking refuge in the word of God. And there's power in that for that man, isn't there? There's power in the Word of God, and uh, our job is simply to provide it, and we hope that the church will pick up after we've placed that seed in the hands of people, then the church will nourish. What would you say is the motivation behind your work? Well, our motivation, first and foremost, is to be an extension, an arm for the church in the Middle East. So we do not claim to be a church. We are an extension of the church, and here I'm using the church with the capital C, that means entire church, the united church, the invisible church. And so we are there as a helping hand for the church. Uh, we go places where probably the traditional church does not go. So we are also being able to open doors, get to places where traditionally the church would not go as a parachurch organization. And third and most importantly is that we are trying to address the younger generations in our country. Uh, many people are always reluctant in changing translations, especially in a Muslim-majority contexts. Uh, we always try to stick to one translation. We are actually a little bit aggressive. Lately, we have decided to, to produce a Bible translation that uses text messaging language yes. in Arabic, but they use Latin letters. It's a very strange thing. Oh. I personally cannot able to, to read <laughs> Good it. Good luck. But <laughs> no. teenagers, they just love it. And so we are also able to venture into areas that others do not venture, all based on the power of God's word. I must ask you about the events of these last few days in that very troubled region as Israel and Gaza are erupting again. How do you reflect on that as you see it from a distance here in Australia, now that over this past weekend uh, missiles have been fired into Jerusalem, indeed? It's unfortunate. This, this area, this region is out of our jurisdiction. It's unfortunate that every few months we're getting the same kind of news as if to tell the whole world there is this issue in the Holy Land that requires a solution. We're still here. The problems are still here. Yes. We have to find a solution to it. And you see this ha cycle happening every few months, and, and it escalates. And our prayers is that a peaceful solution will come to this piece of land as soon as possible. It seems to me you're entirely used to it. We're very pragmatic when yes. it comes to our region and the problems. Uh, only a month ago, we had a political assassination by a car bomb in Lebanon. We're very pragmatic about it. We wake up the next morning, we clean up, we continue with our lives. We have gotten used to living within these kinds of conditions and difficult circumstances in Lebanon, in Syria, in Iraq a few years back. I mean, we had 
similar issues to what we're facing in Syria today a few years back in Iraq. The only thing that keeps us going is that we know from Christ's words in the Gospels that we are to be salt and light in this region. And salt it only takes a pinch to make a big difference in the taste. And so we know we are a minority. It's not about the numbers. It's about the impact that we are leaving in our region. Are you optimistic for the future? I am. And I consider Lebanon to be a prototype of coexistence among religious cultures. I'm going to put it like this, religious cultures. Uh, Because of the long years of experience, forming and storming, and now we have reached the the stage where we can actually dialogue Mm. on equal levels. And this small, tiny country may become the prototype for the expansion of Muslim populations in Europe within 20 years, uh, elsewhere in USA, and even here in Australia, I must say. There must be an equal dialogue, interfaith dialogue taking place. What a wonderful world that would be. It would be. Yes. Can I just add that yes. all that we do is is really with the support of our colleagues in Bible societies around the world. And Australia has been very instrumental in supporting our work in the Middle East. And we really take this advantage uh, from here to thank them for their support and to thank those behind them, the donors and supporters who are supporting the Australian Bible Society. And I'd be saying urging more people to contribute more and support that work both in prayer and financially. It's a very important work. Dr. Michael Besluis, thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. Thank you. And Michael's here for a series of speaking engagements in Sydney and the central coast of New South Wales this week and in Melbourne, Geelong and Anglesey next week. And we've got a website for the details. We'll put it up on our Open House community Facebook page. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.